Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa here. It is a beautiful winter day in Midlothian, Virginia, and we are going to talk about boundaries. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Lindy's here with me today, guys. Hi. Um, pretty much just because I wanted somebody else here with me, too. She's she's uh, co-hosting with me, and she's fun, and we don't get to spend enough time together right now, so I pulled her into podcast with me. And we also have a special guest today, Kat Dillingham, who is here to help us navigate a conversation on boundaries. And she just shared the sweetest little story that I'm going to maybe have her share again if she's comfortable. I don't know, but I'm excited. Uh, hi. Good morning. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks Thank for having for me. Being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah. So um, I have four kids, uh, 26 and 20, a boy who's 20. Well, he's a man now. He's my baby boy man. That's what I call him, baby boy man. 26. My daughter is 23. I have a 19-year-old son, and then I have a 16-year-old son. I have been married for 28 years, Wow! and I've been an educator, an educator for many, many decades now. I started off as a first grade teacher, um, got my master's in counseling, um, went on to do some instructional leadership work with the adult ESL program in Chesterfield, and I'm now a dean of students at an elementary school and just loving it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because when Lindy and I were in public school, there were not dean of student positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were talking a little bit about kind of what you do and how mm-hmm. incredibly important the work is. It's really important work. Really good, really rich, difficult, impactful work. So you just help basically kids navigate life and education. Yes. And, and in a pandemic. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't even imagine. And you're taking time on your week off to come hang out with us, which I'm is excited to be which here. is awesome. And thank you. Um, so we're going to talk about boundaries simply because it is a topic that comes up multiple times a day in our Facebook group. Um, for those of you who are not in our Facebook group, it's Latch Mama Love. Um, and it's a really, really supportive moms group. But it seems like I kind of feel like boundaries are like this word that has popped up in my adult life. Um, I think it might be a little bit of a, I don't want to call it trendy because I think it's really important, but I don't think the word was ever said in my childhood simply because I don't think that it was probably their boundaries were there. I don't know. But I also don't think it was focused on. Is Am I wrong saying that? Like, isn't I think it you're like right. this new thing? I think you're of? right. And I think that, that what we're seeing now is the um, result mm-hmm. of not talking about boundaries, not thinking about them, um, and we're not having good results. So people are starting to think about well, why we need boundaries, what are healthy boundaries, what do boundaries accomplish for us, how do they help us live meaningful, full, rich lives. Absolutely. Let's start. Um, sometimes we bounce around a lot yeah. on these podcasts. But what I would love to do is kind of start at that elementary school level, just because that is your daily kind of exposure and where you are. And then let's start then going and kind of talking about what foundation we can put 
in with our children and why it's important to start then. Um, and then kind of talk about how we solve the fact that many of us do not have good ones now <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as mothers and adults. So as far as kind of working every day in an elementary school setting and talking and working with these kids through some tough stuff, um, where do you see boundaries pop up? And like, how can we start introducing the concept to our kids at a younger age? So one of the things I think is really important, especially at a young age, and I see this um, and at the school level, and I've seen it in my home, is looking at kind of emotional boundaries and teaching children how to recognize emotions and how to be responsible for their own emotions and recognizing where their emotions end and the other person's emotional boundaries begin. I just laugh because if... <laughs> Can you imagine of learning that at, at age six? How different our life would be. Can we be talk now? about how that ties in with my fast therapy session? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, it's cool. No, it's, I think it's incredible, and it's what our kids need. Absolutely, I mean, it's what we needed. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we can't control what somebody else is feeling. We can't control. We only can control our actions and how we're you know, specifically feeling. Exactly. And I think that's where we get jammed up a lot of times is we're taking responsibility for someone else's mm -hmm. thing. Their their actions, we're taking responsibility for their actions, their emotions, mm -hmm. um, their feelings, their behaviors, and that's theirs to own and we own ours. Absolutely. Um, it's just fascinating too because it's probably a very hard concept for like a six or seven or eight-year-old to learn, but, you know, everybody comes to every situation with their own story and their own past and you know their own feelings and emotions that may have absolutely nothing to do with that interaction that we're having with them and if we can start teaching kids I feel like at a younger age that you know we're not in control of other people's stories what we need to do is respect and, and love people through whatever they're going through but realize that sometimes what we're seeing is not a result of actually what we're doing or our interaction with them, but it's other stuff that exactly. They have. And just personally, I struggled with boundaries for many, many years, and kind of went through a long season, many years of people pleasing, mm -hmm. and then went to the opposite extreme of like, I am woman, hear me roar, <laughs> and kind of an angry boundary setting line. Yeah, and then just trying to come to a healthy center ground yep. has been really important, and I'm still learning ing yeah. how to do that. So what happens when we don't have strong boundaries or when they're not introduced at a younger age? You know, you said we're starting to see, you know, our generation or, you know, the situation of not having good ones. What happens? I mean, my first reaction is like when we talk about this is that you just get tired, mm -hmm. like you get exhausted. Mm -hmm. I do. I think we get tired. We are exhausted. We get burned out. I think we get angry. Mm hmm. Over time, we get bitter, resentful. We Our lives actually shrink we, because we pull back. We pull away from people. We pull away from impact work. Yep, and disconnection. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we all know that no matter how hard it is sometimes, I mean, connection is what drives the human being. Yes. Um, and I think is as we kind of overlap those boundaries and we get hurt and we step on other people's stories and... Um, I think it is natural that we pull back and, um, you know, which leads to disconnection, which leads to, you know, us feeling, yeah, yeah, feeling like we can do it all ourselves. Um, you know, and I think that, uh, 
you know, it's it's interesting to look at it from uh, does it all start with boundaries, which honestly, until right now talking to you, I had never thought of before. I just thought it just came from, I don't know, just being fed up. But I guess it's fed up because you're not getting what you need from the other person because the boundaries are interesting. Wow. Cool. I know dead silence isn't good on a podcast, but I'm processing right now. I feel like that all needs a moment of silence to like, (laughs) (laughs) to like, to like really, really talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like naturally as moms, we are constantly trying to please others. We're constantly trying to do for our kids and our families. Um, And I think sometimes we don't slow down to figure out where our boundaries need to be. Um, and how we can, you know, be better at making sure that we don't hit that point where we pull back. Because I, like, it's funny because there are multiple times, probably this week, in because I was just laughing at the fact that, like, I'm finally around human beings for this week, like, first time. Like, that was a conscious choice of mine because I was, I, I, I was in a hole. Like, I was like, hey, got to pull back. Some things happened family-wise and... I think it's just the beginning of the new year. Things are a little off around here. There's the pandemic and you do want to isolate and you, but how quickly that can have an effect on kind of your mental well-being and just being around humans is incredible to me. It can have a quick negative effect. Quick, quick. But I knew if I took a shower this morning, which I didn't do, but I knew (laughs) if I got dressed and had my (laughs) cup of coffee and got here and started being around other human beings that the energy would change and, yeah. it, would, and it would lift it would, your spirit. It would slip. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to the topic, how do we create better boundaries as adults? I think it has to start with a willingness to be uncomfortable. Setting boundaries, especially when we're not used to it, feels really awkward. We yep. feel like we are hurting someone's feelings. We're letting people down. And so I think the first thing is we have to be willing to be uncomfortable And we have to know that the discomfort will lead to something good. And I also think we have to have a growth mindset on this because it's about taking baby steps, incremental incremental process and progress toward healthier boundaries over time. And it does add up. Every little incremental step adds up to, um, to, just a richer life. So I think we start with that. And then we look at an area, we target a specific area of our life where we might be feeling overwhelmed, overworked, full of anxiety. Um, And we just say, okay, what is the problem there? Because I think that's, that's something we have to really make sure that we understand deeply is in that specific, specific area, what exactly is the problem? And once we can identify what that is, then we can think about, okay, what is my part? Mm -hmm. What is their part? And then working into what does a conversation with that person look like? And over the years, I've struggled with what that conversation can look like, because I think as we begin to practice boundaries and practice um, thinking about what we need, what the other person needs, and how those things are intertwined, we can sometimes um, have difficulty in a conversation. And I think for me, one of the things I've learned is it's important to be clear and kind together. Absolutely. Sometimes we can be super clear, mm-hmm. but then we're not very kind. 
and we can be very kind and we can finish the conversation and other person has no idea what we have just said. So I think clarity and kindness together are super important. There's so much good stuff that you just said. Like I wanted to interrupt you like five times when I was like biting my tongue. (laughs) I think the first part of what you said that, that really struck with me is that in order to do this, we not only have to put ourselves first, which is unnatural for quite a bit of the population, but we also have to be prepared for not a quick return on our uncomfortableness investment, which is also something that we're not used to as a society and a group. So you put those two things together and that I think is case in point of why we have such bad boundaries because it's uncomfortable and it's going to take a long time to kind of reroute them to where they need to be. And I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. when you were talking earlier about really being comfortable and understanding what emotions I'm responsible for, what I am not responsible for, well, I almost feel like you better be real secure in that mm-hmm. skill and that growth to even make that choice to be uncomfortable, to start having those conversations because creating that boundary, creating a change, you're probably going to get some pushback Mm -hmm. and you really need to be comfortable in not taking that on as well. Absolutely. So like there's like these steps to like working Mm -hmm. on yourself and to getting to that really uncomfortable point in trying to make a change or work on that growth. I, and I like what you said, too, about like we really have to be at peace with that within ourselves because people that are healthy mm-hmm. will respect our boundaries. Yep. The healthier the person, the more they will respect the boundaries. Someone who has struggled with boundaries themselves or is not in a healthy place on that issue or at that moment, they will push back and they will not like the boundary. Yeah. And then can we just talk about like the grief process on the other side of that? Because if they don't like that boundary... And they walk away. I mean, you're, you then have to grieve not only maybe the loss of that relationship, but the change of that relationship too, which I think is a really, really important step that uh, you have to be willing and ready to do. I think so too. And I think as we get healthier, our relationships become healthier and we are more attracted to healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So depending on where we are in that process, this could be something that we just have micro movements or we have some macro movements that really are difficult to wade through at the beginning. It's fascinating. (laughs) It's just so good. (laughs) It's so good. It's such good. It's such good, good stuff. Um, You know, just to share a little story, um, with you guys, I because uh, I like to share my little anecdotes on here because um, I think a lot of this can feel abstract and it maybe doesn't feel as abstract to Lindy and I is because we both have our first year of therapy under our belts and working through some stuff. So this is stuff that we talk about constantly um, that is in the forefront of our minds that we bounce stuff off of each other about. So to us, this is like this is fun. This is like going to Toys R Us today. I love it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, recently um I had this interaction with my family. I think COVID has brought up a lot of different topics um, within families. Um, And I got spoken to in a way by one of my siblings that I have never probably been spoken to in my life. Um, And, you know, he's older. We're all older. You know, it's it's a family thing. Um, But I realized the severity of how he spoke to me without completely understanding the situation was one of those like black or white things. Like I had to leave the family group text message 
and I had to do it and I, and I did it and I, I don't regret doing it. But at the same time, the magnitude of setting that boundary and the aftermath of it, like I feel great about it three days later, but when it first happened and I exited it and realized that I was not going back to it, the loss that I felt was significant. Um, you know, three days later, I feel much stronger. It was the right decision. It was what I needed to do. Um, but I think that I, a year ago, before I even started finding that kind of healthier place for me to be, I never would have done that. I would have gone back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. I would have said, no, but you don't understand. This mm-hmm. is why, or this is why I made this decision or, you know, the, you know, A, B and C, you know, cause there was so much that I wanted to say and there was so much that I wanted to defend myself. Um, but I also knew that it wasn't worth it because I also knew that it, it wasn't, he wasn't going to hear it. Um, and so I left the conversation and so I set a boundary and it, it feels really good three days later, but it sucked. I mean, it was terrible when I did it because I mean, they're family, you know, and that's where you can't always control who's in your life. Um, but I remember on the other side of it, I read the text to my husband and he just kind of looked at me and I was like, I don't have anybody in my life that would ever talk to another human being that way ever. And just because we're family, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just this, this wonderful moment where you're healthy enough that you can say, you know what? I don't, this isn't cool, you know? Exactly. And that's that with family members, especially it's really hard to set those boundaries. And we get into these patterns that become decades old and we do dances together, repeated dancers. And as soon as one of us changes our dance step, it throws the other dancer off. So by you, um, taking a different dance step there, it threw your brother off, it threw your relationship off, and and that shift can move you in a positive direction. But I think it's important that we really um, evaluate this dance is not actually a healthy dance. We need to choose some different steps, even if that creates some um, discomfort and uncertainty in the short term. And it's really interesting, too, because we're not all in like these little bubbles where we're just two people having a relationship. So, you know, that happened. And then my first reaction was, well, hold on. My mom didn't defend me. My sister didn't defend me. They, you know, they didn't come in and say, Hey, the way he talked to you was wrong. You know, let me talk to him about that. So then what does that happen with the other, you know, how does that impact the other relationships and how does that impact the other boundaries? It's just really fascinating because I think you can set a boundary with somebody and it's going to impact other relationships as well. And we have to be prepared for that. Definitely. And I think having a learner mindset in these Mm -hmm. situations is so important because when we become really familiar with someone, we can have a tendency to not engage with them in the healthiest way. Mm -hmm. We take them for granted. We take that relationship for granted. And so having a learner mindset of this is how I'm feeling in this relationship. I need to make sure that I am not doing this to other people in my life accidentally, like eyes to see where I might be um, taking a relationship for granted, taking a, uh, just not being my best self with someone that's been in my life for a long time. And so I think that's important to continue to be learning, learning, Mm -hmm. learning from these kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. So like, as we work on this with adults, but now I'm trying to picture, okay, so I want to like, you know, be a better mom, be a, be a better wife, but help my kids to like set these boundaries. So I'm trying to think of like daily situations that might pop up that we as moms, 
you, you don't really know where to start with this. It's new. What are some of those daily things, situations that happen? And what are the simple things that you could say or start to show them to like navigate a boundary? If that makes any sense. Like, where do you begin as a mom kind of mm -hmm. at home? Mm -hmm. I think that's really good. And I, I love what you talked about, too, those roles that we play as mothers and wives. Because I think, you know, having a couple of grown children out of the house now and just having two that I'm, I'm still semi-responsible for, <laughs> I... <laughs> I am seeing this is the most important work of our life. Yeah. And taking the time to be thoughtful about it when they're young is really important. So when children are very young, at even um, age two and age three, helping them to be aware of what their emotions are and being able to identify what the, their emotions are and, and reflect that back to them to even give them language. I can see that you're getting frustrated. Your behavior is showing me that you're frustrated. You are using this tone. You are, your face is making this facial expression. So we're teaching them at that age to identify and articulate what the emotions feel like and then give words to those emotions. And then to teaching self-regulation, even at early childhood, where we're teaching kids how to take a deep breath and calm down. Things like time out. Time out is not, um, it's not a, it doesn't, it's not, there's not, not a negative disciplinary connotation with that. Mm -hmm. It's time out. We need to mom our own selves sometimes <laughs> and give our own selves a time out. Yeah, totally. We need a break. We need a nap. We need a snack. We need, we need to, um, we, and so we're also modeling these things for our kids. And that is super important. We can teach what we know, but we will reproduce who we are. So when we are people that are emotionally healthy and getting emotionally healthier, mm -hmm. we're actually showing our kids on the daily by the way we are living our lives right out in front of them, by the way that we're interacting with them, by the way we're speaking with them, the way we're speaking with our husbands, our friends, our parents, our siblings. And so... Um, the, they, it starts in small ways and, and even like boundaries on who does what around the house. So people used to make fun of me when our kids were literal because by five years old, they were doing their own laundry. And that's like, what? How are they doing their own? Well, it's not like rocket science. They literally shove it all in there, you know, put the soap in, push the buttons. And then we started off trying to like get them to like fold their laundry. Well, by the time they rifle through their clothes in the drawer, it's all a mess. So then it was like, you don't even have to fold it. You do your laundry, you put it in the dryer, push the buttons, sort it, shirts, pants, socks, mm -hmm. underwear, and you just stuff it in the drawers. Yep. It starts with little things like that. Like you can do things at young ages. So building capacity for not just emotional capacity, but um, skill capacity starts very, very young for children as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's big family 101 right there. I don't think we would survive, you know, if they weren't doing a bunch of stuff by themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think Catherine, somebody was over one day and Catherine, who's, who wasn't even two yet, just got up from the dinner table and took her cup and went to the refrigerator and got herself water and, you know, came back down and started drinking it. And the person was like, what is she doing? And I was like, she's getting her own water because she probably wouldn't get her own water if 
mm-hmm. if she didn't know how to get her like you know she wouldn't she wouldn't have water unless you know because I hadn't sat down yet and you know you're still you know running around and stuff like that so yeah, yeah I actually had heard years ago if a child can do it you shouldn't do it for them that's so that's really good. If they yeah. can get their own water, yeah. they should be getting their own water. This is the team. The family is a team. Yep. Mama is not the maid. Mm-hmm. If you can do something, you should be doing it for yourself. And that also is a boundary thing. We own mm-hmm. the things. We own our emotions. We own our actions. Yep. It's interesting because yeah. I, I see myself like from a like actually marriage perspective, sometimes getting frustrated because I do feel like I do it all. And I do feel like, you know, the weight of motherhood is on my shoulders. Um, but then you start to realize you probably don't have to do it all. And you can set those boundaries and you can say, hey, you know what? Th- th- this is something I really want you to focus on or, you know, 100 percent, you know, like, can you can you take this off my plate? Mm-hmm. Because and there might be a million questions the first time and it may be really frustrating because I probably already could have done the task in the time that took to answer the questions. But if it is a repetitive one, the next time it's off your plate, you know, and you've set that boundary. And I think that's that's an important part of setting boundaries, expressing what you need. Yep. So by saying to your husband, this is what I would asking you to take this off my plate. Mm-hmm. And then we have to let go of how it's yep. done. So sometimes I know for me, I want to say the what and the how. Yeah. So I can ask for the what, but then the how it's executed. It could be like, oh my gosh, like, wow, I would not have chosen yeah. that. But it has to be, that's the point. It has to, yeah. we have to be okay with letting that stuff go. Yeah. Lindy and I have had many Sunday morning text messages back and forth to each other. Cause it'll be like 1130 and she'll be like, Hey, have you had breakfast yet? And I'll be like, no, not, not me because our husbands are in charge of breakfast on a Sunday morning and it is like precise and complete. And it's like <laughs> this like, ex- like complete thing where we would have already scrambled the end of the month. We would have already been on lunch and they're well, still that's on breakfast. I'd be preparing lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. but, we set a boundary and we yeah. said, Hey, I'm not doing breakfast this morning. Yeah. You know, you do it. And yeah. the result, like you said, is not up to us. Um, you know, they're going to do it their own way because they're their own human. And I think if we don't, if we don't see things like that, if we try to get our hands back in it, we mm-hmm. will send a message. You are incompetent. Yep. You can't do this. You can't be trusted with this. And so what does a person do when they feel like that? They step back and their hands come off. Mm-hmm. So when we ask them to do another thing, they're hesitant mm-hmm. to get into the mix. Yeah. Wow. But I think that goes back and I can share a little about what I learned. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put but, you on the spot earlier. No, my favorite book is this Dance of Anger. And in that book, it talks about just what you're saying is the more you you take on that responsibility of other people, the the more they step back and well, because so and so is gonna take it. So the you know, if you can set those boundaries and figure out that healthy workload, well people step up to the plate and I mean you see it with I see it with the kids too. Um so yeah, it's it's creating that boundary of taking responsibility for for yourself and letting you know letting the other step up. Yes. What I've learned here by managing a I guess it's a large staff now of a lot of um employees, most of which are moms and most of which are women, is that sometimes there's a lot of anxiety that comes from not doing it all themselves. And understanding that people are going to love them on the other side of it if they set boundaries. And that has been like literally one of my 
greatest tasks as a business leader and the culture that we've created is telling people, hey, it's okay to set a boundary. Like just because I send a Slack out at 8 p.m. with a question does not mean that I'm expecting anybody to stop doing what they're doing. But also, I can't set that boundary for you because if it's on my mind at eight o'clock, I'm going to slack it out. But you have to be confident that this is not your responsibility at this hour and that you can get to it the next morning. That has been the one of the hardest things and where I spend most of my energy is just trying to teach people that it's okay, not only to be imperfect, because that's a whole nother topic, but, um, you know, to really set those boundaries and that I don't expect you know, them to react and for them to be confident on the other side of that and not have anxiety when they set them. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that's an issue of worth, isn't it? Yep. That it's an, a, an issue of deep worth. And where do I assign my value? Where does my value come from? So if my value comes from being responsive, if it comes, if I get a text, if I get an email, if I get a Slack, if I get someone's ping me on social media, I've got to respond right away. I've got to meet the need right away that will that will bury us. Mm-hmm. And so it's having a mindset of I am deeply loved, value and worthy aside from anything that I do and perform. And so just because I get a text doesn't mean yeah. I need to respond. I'm not even going to look at my phone. Yeah. I can hear the ding. I can feel my watch going off. Just because you need me mm-hmm. does not mean I need to be there right now in this moment for you. And I think actually setting that means that we can be deeply present in the moment where we are. And that's how we were meant to live. We're not meant to live scattered, trying to meet everyone's needs all the time. We're meant to live kind of like, and I'm like a type A, like charge, drive, grind person. We're meant to live moment to moment, really present. And it was something that being a mom really taught me um, which I, again, I'm still learning the lessons. Like I want to be a learning, learning, learning till I die. Um, but as a mom, I learned I had to slow down because I couldn't grind at my pre kid rate. It was actually impossible. Even feeding babies, you can't just be running around the house while you're feeding. Mm-hmm. You have to stop and just be. Mm-hmm. And when you stop and you be, and you look at your child, and you sit down on the floor, and you value that that floor time mm-hmm. and that play time and that smile and that eye contact and that shared moment and that shared laughter, that mm-hmm. is why we're here. Yeah, it's so fascinating because. When Matthew was born, um, he had slow growth. Um, and for the first time I had a pump. And so I started pumping and other people started feeding him, which was the first time. I mean, he's baby number six. Um, and I started to get to move and I started to get to, you know, do work all the time. And in some ways it was good because I got to hang out with the other kids and the transition was a little bit easier. But it was a completely different experience because I wasn't stuck under a baby. And in so many ways it brought me, I I will honestly tell you, it brought me happiness. It helped the postpartum. It was great. But what you just said in the sense that like, there's a reason why we slow down, you know, there's a reason why we bond. And now we've gotten off of the pump and we're just nursing now. And I can tell you that my relationship and my bond with him is incredibly stronger than it was prior when I was passing him off. And I'm not saying you have to breastfeed a baby. You can feed your baby formula, whatever. But having that moment where you slow down 
where there is literally, you can't do anything else. You can maybe eat with one hand. I can't type an email. I can't do anything. It is so frustrating at times, but it's also, you know, beautiful. And I have to find, you know, joy and satisfaction with that moment, yes. you know? Yes. And I think one of the things that's helped me to remember is that I can have it all, all that I was meant to have in this life. I can have it all, but I can't have it all at the same time. And there are seasons of, mm-hmm. of slow down seasons and there's rev up seasons. And we, we can do all that we were meant to do in our long lives, whatever that length may look like, but we can't do it all right now today. That is too much. And we weren't built for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, it's an, it's an incredible lesson. And I just, I feel like we've gotten to this point where, and I don't know what generation it is. We have so many, so many different words for generations at this point where so many of us, I mean, it, it, it wasn't focused on, it wasn't taught. Um, you know, a lot of this just being, happy with ourselves and finding that self-compassion, um, you know, it, it just wasn't, it, it, it wasn't instructed. So I feel like yeah. a lot of us are running around like crazy people, you know, trying to please everybody where we really have to look within and realize that, you know, we are lovable and we are great. And we are all those things that you said that made me like laugh. Cause it still doesn't make me feel comfortable. Like you say things like that. And I'm like, Oh God, somebody's <laughs> going to watch the YouTube video and be like, <laughs> Be like, yeah, Melissa needs to work on that part. Um, but it's the momming yourself, you yeah. know, and it's the giving yourself that compassion and that place to be like, hey, Latch Mama doesn't have to hit every goal in the world. And my kids don't have to always have good days. Like, that's where I struggle is like I have, you know, a highly emotional nine year old and he doesn't always have good days. And the days that he doesn't have good days, I don't have good days because I internalize it all and it's my fault. And he didn't eat a good dinner. Or he didn't sleep well or what did his actions, what effect did they have on the other people? And you know, is the nanny going to leave, you know, like, and it's all of these things that happen where, you know what? He's allowed to be imperfect too. And he's allowed to have bad days. He is. And that's, I had a, one of my kids um, was emotional like that too. And he is now the best man you could ever meet mm-hmm. in your entire life yeah. and gives hope to many moms actually. Yeah. Um, but I, I struggled with getting my emotions attached to his emotions. Yep. So when he was up, I was mm-hmm. having a good day. When he was down, I was having a bad day. Yep. And I realized at one point that our family dynamic was driven by one little body. And I realized that was not going to be okay. It wasn't going to work. It's not healthy. We've got all these other people and one driving the emotional um, sense in the home. And so learning to separate my emotions, like, okay, he's going to like kind of spiral out a Mm -hmm. little bit over here. Yep. And I'm going to be okay in my space where I am right now. I'm going to meditate on what I need to meditate on. I'm going to engage with another child while I can hear that sound from another room. Even when we had our fourth child, I remember we would put him in a swing so that we could eat dinner together at the table. And so we... We set him up in a swing in one of the other rooms, and he would literally scream yep. the whole dinner time. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like crazy, yeah, crazy town, because here's the screaming happening, and we're like, how was your day? Let's talk <laughs> about what, was, what happened at school. And yeah. it felt like crazy town, but yeah. it was really important because that could not set the dynamic for the rest of the family. Yeah. It's so... It, it's I don't know. It's so interesting. Like, And I don't, I don't want this podcast to go into a direction that we always have to get it right. And we always have to be in those moments. So I I really want to make sure that, 
those of you who are not on this journey that Lindy and I are like totally loving this podcast right now, it's okay to baby step into it, you know, and it's, it's, it's okay. And it takes a long time to realize things and to note things. It's really funny. Like my really, really emotional child can hold the baby when he's crying and he rocks him and he talks to him and he's like, okay with that, like emotional, like craziness. And then I have one that came out very, like he was basically born empathetic and he was born a feeler. And when Matthew cries and he has him, he, his alarming system Mm -hmm. just goes out the window. And it's been so interesting to just kind of watch them and to dig in. And then, you know, Nathan, who's very, very used to being way up here, will go take the baby. And he is so much better at getting him under control. Whereas the one that actually feels what the baby is feeling just wants to fix it immediately. I don't know. I don't know where the story fits in here, but it, it's like my, like, it, it amazes me. Yeah. It's just the coolest Each child's thing. so different. So, mm-hmm. so different. And I think your point about not getting it right is really important. We're never going to get it right. Yep. We're never going to get it perfect. We're just going to get it a little better maybe today than yesterday. Yep. And even if we fall back a little bit, where we start is going to be a little bit higher than we were before. Yep. And that's, that's part of that learner mindset, that growth mindset. We're not after perfection. Mm-hmm. We're after incremental improvement. Mm-hmm. And growth. Yeah. I still look back on the days. Um, my second son, he's 11. And um, he has autism. And so he's on the spectrum. And he's like by big hearted, um, mm. very high functioning, very smart uh, kiddo. And um, but yeah, uh, age three, I, I spent nights not sleeping, sitting on the floor next to his bed, just crying, just making mm-hmm. sure he wasn't hurting himself in his yeah. sleep. Um, and I think what we had to get is we would look year to year to year to yep. year. And now I see him at 11 and I just, I, I would never would have thought that, yeah. you know, you can get to this point. I never would have thought he has, would have taught me all that he has mm. and that he's taught his siblings yes. about just feelings yep. and being different and being quirky. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, focus on those small the little changes the the, the little goals the little mm-hmm. but but not this perfection and mm-hmm. it's unattainable um, it's unattainable and also just I- accepting people for who they are and being like you know wanting to be the the healthiest person that we can be but be ourselves you know like my Gabe is never going to be like his older brother mm-hmm. they're two completely different kids they both have strengths and they both have weaknesses um and it's interested interesting to see them now my oldest he's almost 14 and 11 and um it's cool to see them talk about each other and Mm. start to recognize the strengths like the older one found out that my you know the younger one is doing like a 500 freestyle tonight and he was like mom that that's just crazy (laughs) like he's crazy and then he followed up he's like mom I meant like he's crazy good at swimming (laughs) and I was just like you know that's like it's just really cool to see the acceptance of the differences differences. and once again I don't know where I'm going with it but (laughs) just all that feelings and and what it's taught our family Mm -hmm. and even through those hard times because yes I had those dinners with a screaming meltdown kid who threw something and um that's every night in my house I was (laughs) not not anywhere near where you were because I was still it, it it controlled our lives 
back then but yeah. to see the progress over the years yeah. is really cool it's so encouraging and having a like a, I think about like a book being written too I sometimes want to punctuate a moment in time like I want to say um you know sitting in those in those pockets where it's like deeply emotional really difficult I, I kind of like this is going to yeah. be the whole story of their life and my life and and then I realized that's just one chapter and then there's another chapter and that chapter might end in an exclamation point yep. and everything was wonderful. And then there's another chapter. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to take a long view of that. Like I, I, I can see myself wanting to punctuate with finality certain things like, and this is the way it is forever and ever, like a, in a dark way, but then also wanting to do that on the high side too. And life is full of ups and downs and there's a long, long book being written. You know, it's, it's interesting because all, I don't feel like I'm old, but I guess I'm getting there. And But I'm old in my, I guess, parenthood journey. I mean, I haven't hit the teenage years for sure. But it's interesting to look at the post in the Latch Mama Love group. And all I want to ever do is tell them that it's it's going to change and the stage is going to end and it's going to it's going to bring out more challenges, but it's going to be okay. And like, I just wish I could just walk around telling moms that are in like the trenches with, you know, number one or number two or hitting the three-year-old or the four-year-old stage, you know? And I think that that's what's so hard in motherhood is that we're so disconnected that it's so hard to sometimes find that really calm, healthy, safe voice to say, Hey, you know what? It's okay. I mean, yeah. I remember I tell a story that our first warehouse I pulled up in front of it and, you know, Nathan was our firstborn and he was colicky and he was hard and he was, I think, three years old. And like, I literally Googled like signs that your three-year-old's a sociopath. He was just being three. <laughs> he was just being three, but I had no idea what a three-year-old was, right? you know, and it, we're all so isolated and it's not the way we're supposed to be doing motherhood. Right. Um, but it's hard because I think a lot of us weren't taught boundaries. So then you try and interact with all of these different people who, you know, their boundary isn't to tell you how to parent. Their boundary is to tell you that you're good enough and it's going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? So like there's this this interaction that we have that is just not healthy, I feel like, somewhat in the motherhood community too. Yeah. So do we want to change topics to mother-in-laws? This was a question from the Latch Mama community <laughs> as well. Is uh, So now we've raised our kids and or we're raising our kids and we're married and we're starting to have to combine families and relationships and stuff together. And suddenly we have these new people in our lives. Go. <laughs> Go, Help hit me. it. Help me. <laughs> no, I mean, my mother-in-law's, my, my in-laws are fantastic. So, but yeah, I, you know, it's crazy because I've only been a daughter-in-law for 28 years. And in the last year and a half, I've become the mother-in-law. And so my daughter got married a year and a half ago and just love my son-in-law and I'm getting ready to have my first daughter-in-law. And my son is getting married in April to this amazing, wonderful woman that we adore. And I did start thinking about those dynamics. And so we actually, um, they were down for uh, Christmas and I just asked her if we could just get a little time together and go for a walk. And I just linked arms with her and I said to her, I've never had a daughter-in-law. I have no idea what I'm doing. Would you just forgive me in advance? Would you show me grace in advance? I want to love you like you want to be loved. I want to honor your relationship with my son, like, like you want it to be honored. I want to appreciate and respect those boundaries that you have. And 
We had a really great conversation. She said, I've never been a daughter-in-law. So, you know, we're, we're both in new territory. And um, so I think it's it really is looking at it from a position of like, how can we have honest conversations and give each other a ton of grace and space? And knowing that the what we need now is going to change when they have children and as mm-hmm. their kids age. This is the difficult thing about having children and life seasons. Everything changes. That's the guarantee. Once we learn it, it's going to change. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have to have a learner mindset. We're never going to get it because it's never going to stay the same. We cannot say, I have become an expert at this because the next day we're in a new season. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of exhausting. It but is exhausting. It, but I mean, and it's, and it's exciting, good. too, in the way of now I can feel how life expands. But Yeah. It's just so... I, I think that, that it's such a beautiful story. And Lindy and I are not reacting the same way we heard it the first time because she told it, told us the mother-in-law story a second ago before we started the podcast. But hearing it the second time, I still get this, like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's something... I, I don't do intimacy and emotional intimacy very well first of all so we're gonna throw that out really? there i know imagine that but secondly like there's something incredibly beautiful about it but what percentage seriously of human beings are as healthy as you are in that moment to be able to say that and i understand you're still learning whatever but i mean it, it's just it's i don't I'm not like envious of the relationship because I think my mother-in-law would probably say the same thing if like I probed her and like if I offered to go for a walk with her. I mean, I'm sure we could go for a walk, but it's just so I I feel like you're on like relationship 501 mother-in-law style (laughs) over here. Like, like you're like, you're like in the PhD level. How do we get back to like the little certificate? Yeah. Like how, how do we get back to like the, I took an eight hour class. And, today. Yeah. Like, the, like the eight hour email class on, <laughs> on how to, how to get, you know, a, a, a good relationship with your mother-in-law, because I mean, I think you're like goals. So, you know, if we can like back off of that a little bit maybe and get back down to like, I think, you know what I'm saying? I like, think one thing, yeah. just thinking about my own mother-in-law who is amazing is really appreciating. They are human yep. and they have stories. And, you know, one of the things that I could feel myself feeling was, gosh, I hope she likes me. I hope that as she knows me more and more that she likes me. And so I think really appreciating the humanity of the women that, you know, that they are women like we are women and they're in a different season and they don't know what they're doing either. Um, Understanding that humanity can give us a sense of like coming to them with more compassion rather than Mm -hmm. maybe aggression and expressing what we might need and just having that um, appreciation for the fact that um, they, they are women that are as complex as we are. And if we understood all the details of their stories, Mm -hmm. we would understand who they are right now. Absolutely. But I mean, I think that's case in point for every human being, every human being Mm -hmm. interact with. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I think if we could just, like that small lesson, if we could just teach every person or everybody could learn that everybody has a story and everybody has 
challenges and things that have gone right and things that have gone wrong and 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 moments that they've learned that I think that we would all be just a whole lot kinder to each other. Yes. You know, and I think that that's what we see sometimes in the group is these moments where we just forget that like we're all human, you know, and that, and that there's, there's so much room for, for kindness and grace. And you know, that the idea of asking for it up front though, is a really new concept until you just said that, that I hadn't really thought of before, but it's interesting because you know that you're not, you're going to step on her toes at some point. Yeah. You know, I mean, at, at some point you're going to want to see that little baby that they have eventually, maybe if they just do decide to have babies or, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to show up. I mean, I told a story on the last podcast that my mother-in-law the night after I put the Instapot on the table and had soup, she showed up with a soup and I apparently said it wrong. The entire podcast. It's not a soup turret. A turret's like a gunship. It's like a soup terrine or something. <laughs> I don't know. She showed up with this huge soup terrine as a gift to me. And I was like, my first reaction was, oh, she was upset that the Instapot was on the table last night. And I think she was just trying to give me a nice soup terrine to serve my soup in next time. But, you know, it's those moments where, you know, I'm sure if I called her up, she would say, no, no, you know, who knows? Who knows what she would say? But, you know, that was a moment that I gave her grace because I, I wasn't I was choosing not to be hurt by it. You know, I was choosing her not to look at her as judgmental and instead look at her as kind. I don't know what she was trying to and do. And I but. think that's important to really think about what our assumption is because yep. what we're thinking drives our feeling. Yep. So if we have a thought, wow, she was really upset about that, then yep. we're going to receive that soup in a negative way yep. and and really challenging our assumptions and, and giving, um, giving space to the idea that we might be assuming wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. So I tend to think my assumptions are fact and they're correct and they're truth. So <laughs> I, what I have to do is think to myself, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And just by asking that, considering that thought gives me more space to navigate. Yeah. And would you say that circles back around to um, just focusing on ourselves? and really growing in ourselves. And it's not always like a you or they did that. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just think in the world, it, it, it's always like, it's, I see it with my kids. I mean, this is random, but I see it how connected. Everybody's like, or Gabe this morning, he's like, who's on dishwasher? And I'm like, <laughs> well, what are you on? Like, yeah. why are we so concerned with what everybody else's responsibilities are or what they need to fix or what they did wrong? And I do, I feel like if we came back to ourselves, worked on ourselves, worked on our boundaries, mm-hmm. I do feel like you build that confidence. You mm-hmm. are a healthier self and you can be a better mother-in-law, a better mom, mm-hmm. have better relationships, better conversations. But if we are coming from that very unhealthy place, you know, I agree. It, it doesn't go in a positive direction or it could be better. I agree. I, I always think about we can't give what we don't possess. Mm-hmm. And so if we are not possessing these qualities of like reflection and wholeness and being able to process things in a healthy way, we can't give it out. So I'm going to ask yeah. you a similar question that I think I've asked everybody who has come on here to talk about kind of the mental health side of things. Um, it's not it's not unknown in the United States that we have a pretty terrible mental health system. And just in the sense that we have amazing practitioners that are out there, but they're very sometimes hard to access. And sometimes, you know, we just don't have, you know, the funds to, you know, do the work that Lindy and I are doing as very privileged white women right now. Um, But how can, 
women, especially mothers, start to do some of this work if they don't have somebody to lead them through it? Like, are there resources that you have found that you like in terms of books or in terms of starting points? Um, Because I really, truly think that we can bring people together through the internet and through our brand all day long. Um, But if we're bringing a bunch of broken people together, it's literally just going to create more broken relationships. So how, how do we start getting people to understand that, you know, they need to love themselves and give grace and work through some of those, those things that maybe are preventing that from happening. Yeah. So I think about a principle, if you feed it, it will grow. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be healthy, you want to feed that part of yourself with um, healthy resources. And so I, I consume a ton of audio books, regular books, podcasts, And so some of my favorites that I did want to share, there's a book called Boundaries. It's by Cloud and Townsend. And there are, there's, it's, there's one strictly for, it's just called Boundaries and it it touches on boundaries in all kinds of relationships, work relationships, um, parenting relationships, um, and and just in general, uh, all your relationships, there's boundaries for leaders. There's some, and then there's some others, um, he, they write a couple of other books that are more targeted to specific kinds of boundaries. The other book that I really would recommend is Emotionally Healthy Sp- uh, Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Really, really, really great book. And another one that is one of my all-time favorites, and it's an oldie but a goodie, is The Optimistic Child by Martin Seligman. That was some of the seminal research that has driven the growth mindset movement um, and it, a lot of a lot of that has to do with boundaries around how we're thinking and identifying emotions that are triggered from our thinking. So those are three great resources that that I would recommend. And then there are some amazing podcasts out there. Yeah, this has been awesome. I just want to talk for hours. Can we just yeah? Can we just keep going? <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to touch on at all? I just want to encourage um, the women that are listening to this podcast. I just, even coming into the building, Mm -hmm. my heart was so full. I love, (laughs) I love women. I love mothers and I, I cheer on women and mothers with my whole heart. And so I think that the work that you guys have talked about that you're doing in the last year, Mm -hmm. the work that any of these moms listening might be willing to do. There's a huge generational payoff. And I just want to touch on that. The work that you do here right now in this moment will pay off dividends down through the generation. So I say, go after it. You are worth it. And the generations to come are worth it. I love it. And I really should end it on that. But I have to just say like, you see it in that conversation with your daughter-in-law. I mean, my guess is, is that there are a substantial amount of people that are listening to this right now that are not really, I don't, I don't I'm trying to get, I'm trying to make sure that I use jealous and envy this the right way. Brene Brown wrote about it in her newest book that I was reading about, but I'm trying to get them sorted out in my brain the right way. But that are just, the fact that you've done the work is going to help her have a better relationship with you which is going to help her probably depending on, I mean, I don't know where she she's at and I don't want to talk better because she's not here, but like it's going to encourage her to be open and you know, that is my greatest hope. Well, yes. Yes. Which is going to make her a better mother if that's what mm. she decides to do and a better partner for your son. So yeah. it's, it's all cyclical. It's all mm-hmm. just go around. Yes. 
And I find myself sometimes like through my journey, and I know Lindy and I have talked about this as well, is like some of the anger, because anger is not a bad thing and it comes up, is paced at like, why didn't other people do the work? Like, why haven't they done the work? Because sometimes those are the people that you have to set the boundaries with because there's no health there in that relationship, you know? And so, sometimes yeah. that goes into to understanding de- generations. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a grind. You don't think about you don't think about things. You just get the work done. Yep. And now we're at a point where our society and our culture is reflecting. If you don't stop and consider, you can't even you can't even grind at your best. Mm-hmm. And there's a balance, and th- there's a balance there that we're trying to currently work through as a culture. I think. Wow. Will you come back? Yeah, I would love to. Oh, I love this. Okay, cool. So we're gonna <laughs> pick up this conversation again sometime because I'm not really done with it. But guys, go read some books. Be kind to one another. You know, any other last parting thoughts? I, I just know. appreciate the work that you guys are doing Aww. here. Thanks for having me today. Aww, thank you. All right, bye.